0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 2 Timothy 1. One teacher I respect has said this convictions are not merely beliefs we hold. They are those beliefs that hold us in their grip. When you think about something, even you would say, I mean, this is a conviction that I have. It's not just something, oh, yeah, I believe that's true. It's something that has a grip on your heart and will affect your life. So my question for you today is, is your belief in the gospel really merely a belief or is it really a conviction Is it a conviction for you that Jesus really died on the cross and rose again and that he can give forgiveness and eternal life to all who turn from their sin and trust in him? Today we're going to see that the gospel, the truths of the gospel were really convictions for the apostle Paul. They weren't just things he affirmed. These truths had a grip on his heart, on his life, and they should have a grip on us too. Today we're starting the book of 2 Timothy. And as we said, this is now the middle book of the three pastoral epistles: 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. These are letters not written by the Apostle Paul to churches, these are letters written by the Apostle Paul to pastors. And so now clearly this is the second one we have that is written to Timothy. And one thing that is significant about the book of 2 Timothy is that it is likely the last letter, at least in the Bible, that we have from the Apostle Paul before he dies, which we understand happened through martyrdom in Rome. It seems that he is back in prison in Rome again. Uh, If you read like the book of Philippians, he's clearly in prison in Rome, but he has the expectation is just you read the letter. He has the expectation that he will be released. And what we understand from history and tradition is that that is what happened. At the end of Acts, we see him in prison in Rome, but then he is released. He does more ministry, but then he is put back in prison and this time ends up being beheaded. And you get a different sense as you read Second Timothy, you don't get the sense like you do in Philippians that he is expecting to be released. You get the sense that he is expecting to die. He is expecting that his race is over or just about over. But what drives him still to faithfulness, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of death, is really the conviction that he has in the truth of the gospel. And that is what he is seeking to pass along to Timothy. And really, that's what should be passed along to all of us. And so as we walk through this passage together, I want us to note the effects really of not just affirming the facts of the gospel, but letting these truths really get a grip on your heart and your life. And if you want to understand more of what I mean by these truths had a grip on his heart and his life, look in the middle of the chapter to start. It talks about in verse nine, how God saved us and called us to a holy calling. And again, we see this theology that has come through a lot in Paul's writing, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life And immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. So you see, these convictions of the gospel now animate Paul in this stewardship that he has as a preacher, apostle, and a teacher, even to the point where he is willing to suffer. And he goes on, even in his suffering, he is not ashamed, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed." And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So, there you see the conviction that Paul has. He is convinced of the ability of Christ to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And he knows whom he has believed. So there you see that language, even there in the middle of the chapter, that shows the strength of Paul's belief and convictions in the reality of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. So what effect does that have on him and what effect should that have on us? Well, going all the way back to verse one, let's not just skip over the introduction. There's one thing in there that I think is especially interesting and noteworthy here in second Timothy. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Now that is not necessarily Paul's standard greeting, but I think if we understand the historical context of the letter, it makes more sense why the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus would be at the tip of Paul's tongue as he starts this letter, because he knows he is about to die. And because the gospel isn't just something he hopes is true, but something he knows is true, He is meditating on the sweetness of the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And I hope that as you or I get closer and closer to death, that promise only becomes sweeter and sweeter to us. Another thing we see not only in this letter— But we've seen so much in Paul's letter is that this conviction about the truth of the gospel leads him to care about other people. And you see in these first few verses how much he cares for Timothy, Uh, remembering his tears, verse 4, remembering him constantly in his prayers night and day, verse 3, that he longs to see him, that he may be filled with joy, right? He loves Timothy. He loves the people that have partnered with him in the gospel. He loves the people he has had the privilege of discipling. And if we really have a conviction about the truth of the gospel, we should view people in that same way. And then you see he's exhorting Timothy. These verses six and seven are pretty critical. And you see, really, Paul, he, he's he been a, a model of what he is exhorting Timothy to do. And in verse six, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan in to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Hey, Timothy, go all out for the sake of the ministry to which you have been called. If you really have a conviction about the truth of the gospel, you won't just kind of do anything really in ministry or life by half. You you won't just kind of be half in half out because these are convictions. They hold you. You're going to be all in whatever you do for the sake of the gospel. You're going to give it everything you've got fanning into flame, the gift of God that is in you. If the gospel is really true, we shouldn't just give a half effort to what we're doing for the sake of ministry, we should seek to let our ministry efforts be ablaze for the glory of Christ. And that will lead then not to a spirit of fear, and it comes not from what God has given us, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If you really have a conviction about the truths of the gospel, you will not be afraid. And if there's one verse, maybe uh, just to take out of this, to think about the effects that the truth of the gospel should have on your life. It might be this verse in verse seven. For God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And spend some time meditating on that trio of words at the end. Power, love, love. And self-control. That is what the Christian life and Christian ministry should be characterized by, not fear. And in some ways, I think fear is the opposite of all three of these things. Fear is the opposite of power. Uh, Ministry should be done from a mindset of confidence because you believe in a risen Savior. How could you not be confident in him? If God is for us, as Romans 8 says, who can be against us? We should have an attitude of of power and of confidence because the Lord is on our side. Jesus Christ is alive. Fear is often also the opposite of love. That Fear tends to get us to draw back and care about ourselves instead of loving others and extending ourselves and sacrificing of ourselves. You really believe that Jesus loves you. If you really believe that he died for you, if you really believe that he rose again, you can take the risk of loving others. And pour yourself out for them. And often fear is the opposite of self-control. Self-control, think of it really as being able to control your, your mind and your actions, right? Your thoughts and your actions are under control. Many times fear causes us to not think well and then not act well, but a trust in the truths of the gospel will help us to live a life of self-control where our thoughts and our actions are under control. And then you see how Paul views suffering. There's no shame in it, but he gladly shares in suffering and calls Timothy to share in suffering um, for by the power of the gospel. So Paul has a very different perspective of suffering. As I often say, he views suffering not as a bug, but as a feature. He knows suffering will be a part of ministry because that is what Christ did. But he believes in a Savior who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. So what really is there to be afraid of when our Savior is coming with a coming kingdom and We will be forever with him. We shouldn't fear the opinions of others. We shouldn't fear death. We should trust Christ and continue to serve him. So, Think through those things that the conviction of the truth of the gospel gives Paul hope in the face of death, makes him care about other people, causes him to go all in and give a full effort for the gospel. It takes away fear and replaces it with power and love and self-control, and it takes away shame and replaces it with a willingness to suffer. And remember, all of that really comes back to the firmness of his belief in Christ. And if you're looking at some of those things we've mentioned and saying, man, I'd like to see more of that in my life. Remember, that won't just come from your own effort. It will really come from looking back at the reality of Christ. He was crucified. He rose again. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Do you really believe that or not? Because Paul calls us to believe it, and he calls us to follow his example. At least that's what he tells to Timothy. And I think these words rightfully extend to us. He calls Timothy to follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard in me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he gives some examples, some not good examples of Phygelus and Hermogenes um, who turned away from him, but he gives us the positive example of Onesiphorus. It says, for he often refreshed me and was not afraid of my chains. So if you have these convictions, you will end up being someone who is not like Phygellus and Hermogenes and turning away when the going gets tough. You will end up being like a Onesiphorus who is refreshing other believers, even in times of difficulty. So let's come back to the gospel again and remind ourselves this shouldn't just be, you know, a belief that we have, you know, we think about every once in a while. This should be a central core conviction that animates our lives. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.